Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode one. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the acclaimed Vermont children's book author and graphic designer, Mark Gagne. <laughs> and so, so Mark is, uh, hails from, you live in Vermont now, correct? I live in Vermont. Right, and you're, are you, were you from from Vermont originally? I grew I grew up right across the lake in Plattsburgh. Okay, so all right. I didn't, I didn't go very far, but yeah, just yeah. just always just in the northeast. Oh, always in I'm, the same geographic general geographic. I'm area. the last northeast holdout too. All the relatives and family have gone south. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> to to warmer pastures. Yes. When I when I first went to it was to the 2016 um, Vermont Comic Book Convention, and they had a they had a uh, just a table of just people's, you know, little giveaway swag and stuff right. of like little business cards and stuff. And I remember I, like my eyes drew straight to this, to your style artwork. It was your cryptozoology. Okay. Yeah, ABCs yeah. of the cryptozoology yeah. thing. And, and, and your style itself is, is nice. fan, fantastic. It, 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 it's, it's unique and nostalgic at the same time, if that makes right. any sense. It's, it's very, oh, I, I feel like the term minimalistic has been overused a lot, <laughs> but it is, I, I really like, uh, I try to pare everything down into the least amount of information right. that I need in order to convey whatever concept I'm trying to do. And that's, so that's oh, more, sorry. well, more, I think it looks, I like that aesthetic, but also it's faster. You've been, you've been doing this stuff. So before we, we start talking more about your work, let's just dive right in and sure. kind of give everybody uh, uh, the history, uh, how you started into doing uh, graphic design and children's books. Well, I mean, I've always drawn, like I, my parents have this story of uh, getting contacted by my kindergarten school teacher because what I was doing was copying cartoons out of the Sunday paper, bringing them into class and selling them to the other kids. They had to tell my parents, like, yeah, you can't be selling stuff in school. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first, that was my first, you know, six years old. I was like, this is a good gig. Uh, so uh, then, you know, you go through high school and college. And I took some, some typical art classes, like, painting and printmaking and uh, all kinds of other, other things and illustration. Um, and then I decided that I really wanted to zero in on comics. So I applied to the Joe Kubert School in New Jersey. And that was at the time, that was the only comic book school that you could go to. I know Vermont actually has their own now, um, the School of Cartooning, what is it called? Center for Cartoon Center for, Studies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so I graduated from the Cooper School in 95. My very first job out of college was a graphic artist for Heavy Metal Magazine, which was kind of like right in Manhattan, which was like a dream come true, you know? Oh, wow, okay. Uh, totally in over my head, like way in over my head. So that lasted about eight months. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I, I, I'm up to speed, but now, you know, then they were, the offices were moving and I didn't want to move out to Long Island. So uh, then I came back to the Northeast, settled in Vermont, started doing, being a graphic artist for Vermont Teddy Bear. 
and then I was there for six years, one of the, one of the things that about being a graphic artist in a larger company like that is you end up at a lot of meetings with marketers and copywriters and a lot of people that may not have a background in graphic design. So you'll have questions like, well, why is that blue? Or why is, why is that font so much larger than this other font? Or why is there so much space around this other thing? And I got really, I feel like I got really good at explaining design very basically in a, in a simple way for easy to understand. Um, so I started putting all of those little tidbits together and that ended up being my first kid's book, um, which was a book about design complicated. Doesn't make it good. Hmm. Um, which has always been my, my operating, uh, motto for design is simpler is better. Complicated doesn't make it good. Um, so and now and that's when I left 2005. I left Vermont Teddy Bear to do, just do kids books and graphic design and and even doing kids books was a bit of a, a not a mistake, but I, that wasn't what I had planned to do. I had done the design book as just a design book. I was sending it to traditional publishers but not kids publishers. And they were sending me back feedback like, we, we like it, but we don't do kids books. So then I was like, oh, okay. And then they would say things like, well, we also don't work with people that don't have an agent. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I went out and, and sent it to, to a few agents and uh, one company was, was kind enough to take it on. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. Eight books later. <laughs> So tell me, tell me a little bit about your, we, we talked earlier about your style. What would you, what would you say is, your, where'd you get your inspiration from? Of what, what did you, when you said you were, you were young and you were drawing yeah. and what did, which, was there a specific artist or, or like comic strip or, yep. or something that you kind of were drawn towards and that kind of helped influence your style? I, I, I specifically took this book out. Um, <laughs> there was a, and, and I knew the cartoon before I knew this book, there was a cartoon called the dot in the line. And it was, it's this amazing, it's this great cartoon where it's just a relationship between a straight line and a little round red ball. And it's, and it's basically all about design. It's all about structure and, and line and size and proportion and, you know, curved lines versus straight lines. It was just, it's been since I saw it when I was, I probably came out, you know, when I was five. Um, it's just been such a great basis for, for what I like. And it's very, very simplistic. It's all, it's really like just there's very little background. It's just these two characters in frame. Um, so that's always really appealed to me. Shel Silverstein has always really appealed to me. His style, his, I mean, his style is basically line art, you know, as simple as you can get. Um, Saul Bass is, is probably my favorite graphic artist. Um, and he only ever did one kid's book. He did a book, brought that out too is Henri walks to Paris. 
right. And it's really, it's really cool because his whole, his whole deal is, is just that kind of super minimalist kind of hand done, you know, bold, lot, big areas of color. And um, so he's been, always been an inspiration too. Wow. I, yeah. You can definitely see that with your yeah. style of how that's. Well, and I used to do like when I was a kid, I would do cut paper art. Okay. And so when illustrator came out, that was like right in my wheelhouse. I was like, Oh yeah, I can totally, I already understand how to use this program. So what? So I, what's, I dove right into that. Okay, yeah, you just brought up uh, Illustrator. What's your what what's your your mode of of design? You say is it Photoshop? It's Illustrator? Is it all digital? Do you do anything by hand anymore? You know, it's boy, I gotta say it's almost ninety five percent digital now. Like it's it's really high percentage digital, and it's been that way for a good ten years. Um, I do a lot of thumbnailing by hand, uh, but once I get to the point where I really want to start formatting pages, it's it's almost all digital. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll sit there and thumbnail and, and brainstorm and and any any you know sit if I'm sitting in front of the TV as a distraction or something. Right. So, but you're 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 one of the one of the people a few people that i know there actually is that this is like your full-time you are yep. full-time graphic yep. designer children's book author so what's your schedule like and like how do you how do you break up the day how do what's your right what, what how do you like quote unquote you know go to the office in that sense right right yeah. well i have i have a studio this isn't the studio this is the living room but i do have a studio that holds all of my and I do like I do a lot of stuff. Like I have the Etsy shop, and I do the freelance design. I do the kids' books. I do posters. I do show, craft shows and and comic cons and things like that. Um, so I have a studio that holds all of that stuff. Um, so I'll you know I'm a night owl, so I don't go to bed till two or three. You know, and and that could be you know, and I could be working right up until then. So I probably don't start work until after. 12 o'clock noon mm. um i'll have lunch or breakfast and and then i'll start working because i probably don't get up till 10 you know because <laughs> i didn't go to bed till two uh, <laughs> uh but i'll i'll do you know i'll get up you know get up in the morning kind of get the day started and then i start working about noon or one and i'll work i, I i'm a big believer and i haven't always been but now i'm a big believer in list mm. like i'll i have a list of everything that i want to accomplish that day and projects and I almost never complete the whole list, but it's a great feeling when you can cross something off that. So I'll spend anywhere from three to four hours doing whatever projects um, I need to do. If, if it's a paying project, then that always takes precedent. But I also have a lot of personal projects that I know maybe I'll do a Kickstarter later or some ideas for a book that nobody's really asking about yet, but I still want to flesh out a little bit and send to an agent or something like that. Um, so I'll do that till about four. And then at four o'clock I go do errands. <laughs> so I go to the post office, you know, go get food, go all that stuff. And then, then, then usually about seven or eight, I'll start working again. And then that, and that, that point eight o'clock or so I'll work till one or two. If, if I have stuff to do, sometimes, I've gotten really good at riding the up and down of creativity. 
Mm. Like I can tell when it's not happening. You know what I mean? Like, right. I'm like, all right, this isn't, I'm just going to zone out in front of Netflix for today and pick it up again tomorrow because tomorrow will be different. And because you said you also have, you know, you have your website. So in those days when you just, those times when you're not very creative, is that when you kind of update your Etsy shop and, right. and, yeah. and do something? Yeah, you'll, more, you'll update that, you know, stuff. update your shop, update your website. Um, the low, the low, I find the low motivational days are actually really good days to go back to projects that maybe you've set aside like six months ago. And this winter has been, that's almost what I've focused on this winter is going back to projects that I've set aside. And I've already completed two posters uh, that, I, uh, that I just ha almost had given up on and two story kids books uh, that, uh, not that I had given up on, but I had just said, okay, this, it, it got to a certain point where you just kind of have to go, I'm out of ideas on this one, <laughs> right. you know, and you, and you put it away and you, your subconscious keeps thinking on it and you go back and I just finished up a poster yesterday that I had set aside with probably a third yet to, to finish. And you know, you go back to it and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't even remember why I set this aside. Cause I know exactly right. what I need to do to finish it. And so what do you use? So you use, you said you use Adobe Illustrator. Mm -hmm. Do you use one of those Cintiqs or do you use a mouse or how do you? I literally, I use the trackpad. Really? Like I'm literally, I'm literally like click, 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 click. Like I don't use a mouse. I don't use, I don't use a pen brush or anything like that. And it's just because it's what I've used for the last, you know, 15 years. I've, Cause I haven't, I've had a laptop for that long. I'm just really, I'm just really quick with it. <laughs> and, I, and literally like I'll, people will be, will sometimes I'll get together with a few other artists and we'll, you know, have a work, get together to work and bounce ideas off of. And, and they'll have the same reaction. They'll be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, no, they have a lot easier ways to do that. I'm like, I just, I, I like it. I just, and I know on your website, you mentioned that you specialize in the, what, the art of silent storytelling. Yeah. How do you define that? What do you mean? What, how would you define that? Is, that definition? For me, that's just wordless narratives. So it's, um, so I'll, I'll do, when I do, I do story posters, which I consider silent narratives, where it's, it's almost long form comic strip, where you'll take, 48 to anywhere from 48 to 108 panels and you're you're almost storyboarding it instead of writing it out so you're just taking the the action and the sequence and a little bit at a time working out the the story and it's really interesting because i'm writing i'm writing i'm basically writing at the same time that i'm doing the artwork so if I'm, I have like the first third of a story done and I know sort of where it's going, but I see that there's a lot of yellow and blue in, in one part of the story. I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'm going to want to balance that out later on in the story as it gets lower on the page. And then it starts to inform where the story has to go because I know I'm going to want blue. So what, what do I have to do to have blue? in the story later. Um, and so as much as the story in, uh, influences the art, the art influences the story. 
okay. on those particular projects. And, and you also you also talked about that. Uh, you 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 also talked about that you had uh, you had a publisher, mm -hmm. and so and but you also self publish. So I know yeah. a lot of people who are listening on this. Well, I mean, some people who are watching or listening saying, wow, he's got a publisher. That's amazing. I'm, I'm always looking <laughs> for a publisher. Yeah. And then you, we're, we're, and we also are starting to see these very fervent folks who love, who swear by self-publishing because yeah. it's basically like going into business for yourself. Uh, how, so first of all, uh, how did you get a publisher? That would be mm -hmm. question number one. And then question number two will be, how do you decide what books you will self-publish and which books will you give to a publisher? Right. The publisher thing I, I, I somewhat, I don't want to say I locked into, but I had done the first design book completely. Like it was 120 something pages done. Um, I think it ended up being 140 something, but at my first draft was 120. And it was a complete it was a complete thought. So that's what I was sending to publishers as a as my unagented author and artist. Um, and they were coming back with, well, and this was before I had my first contract, let's say this was like two through 2003, 2002, 2003. So Facebook didn't exist, Twitter didn't exist, Instagram didn't exist, LinkedIn didn't exist, all of these networking sites didn't really were around. Um, so I was physically mailing samples of everything to publishers yeah. uh, and they would come back and say, well, you should go get an agent. So I, I literally only sent three copies to three different agents and the first two said no. And then the third one said, yeah, we'll give it a shot. Um, and that's really, really, really lucky. Like that doesn't generally happen. So do your pub, the books that have been, that have a publisher, can, can our listeners and viewers go to your website at markgagne.com and actually get those? Or, or are, is your entire library available through click through to, or seeing them on Amazon or how does that work? Right now, anything that I do that's published through a, a let's call it a mainstream publisher, um, is available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com or any of the, the major outlets online. Mm -hmm. um, some of those probably, since I've been doing it since 2005, all but probably the last few books are out of print, which doesn't mean they're unavailable, it just means you might have to buy a used one. Um, the latest book I did, which was One Little Monster, yeah, uh, that just came out a year ago this past fall. So it's been out a little over a year. Um, that's definitely still in print and still available. So that's on there. We have, yeah, we, we have that book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where, I think about when we, when we first got a copy from you, I think my, my little girl wanted me to read at least once a week. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's right. Well, and all my friends have kids and they're, uh, they all, they've all grown up on, all of on my books like i have like a little group of of adolescent graphic artists they <laughs> <laughs> all know the lingo you know so, and so what how, the, the other question was when you when you have an idea or oh, something what do, you, how do i decide what's what right well when because i have the agent i'm actually 
it is contracted that she represents whatever I do for kids' books. Okay. So, but that's also all she represents. They, that that or that company represents. So anything that's a coloring book or posters or postcards or anything that's not a book, I generally self-publish. Um, I'm in the process right now of looking for an art agent also who would represent that kind of work for me. Okay. Um, so you, so you're still, you're, you're still pretty good with the idea of wanting to get a, get an agent then. Well, if at my <laughs> right now, yes. If I was starting out, if I was 20 right now and just starting out and, and starting over, it would be really hard for me to say the way to go is to go get an agent. Okay. Um, it's a lot of work to do it on your own. Right. It's a huge amount of work. Like I'm doing, I, I've cut back a lot on the number of conventions and things that I go to lately. Um, but I was doing 10 to 14 you know, shows a year um, and traveling all over the country to do them. Right. Um, so it's a lot, and there's a lot more because Twitter exists and Facebook exists and, and all of these other avenues exist. I don't want to say it's easier to get your name out there or to get, get a following, but it is, I'm going to say easier because I don't have a better word for it, right. but there are more opportunities to find that following and right. to find that, that group of people that like what you do. Um, but I, I just turned 50, so <laughs> I want somebody else to do it. <laughs> but just, just bring me the work. All I want to do is the creative stuff. Right. I don't want to do the, the tracking people down to, to get jobs and all well, that it, stuff. And it's true as, as artists, as like, you know, yeah. children's book artists and, and graphic designers and illustrators and comic book artists and, and self-publishers is that you really, it's a, it's a new uh, it's a new world out there Yeah, where you yeah. have, where you really have to be your own promoter. Very so. much so. And even when I was starting, even though I have an agent and publishers and things like that, it's, it's still a lot up to me when, a, when a new book comes out, there's, unless it's, it attracts some awards or attracts some, some really, really positive reviews. Um, it's a lot of the promotion is still left up to the artist right. and author. You also have a, a, a friend that you work with on a, uh, a comic book series yep. as well. And yeah. Uh, my friend, Sam Gerdich, who is also on Facebook and uh, hit the company that we do together is called strong arm labs. And we've done six, I want to say five or six comics through there. And we've since, since we've started doing the comics, we've also started to do posters and those, the posters are on my website. Um, the comics will be on strongarmlabs.com is the website for, for that, for both of us. Um, and he, it's really interesting because I generally, the reason I'm an artist and author is I like to do both of it, both of that. He's the only, very rarely do I, do I work with a, another writer. Um, and trying to try to 
do their vision of something Mm. because I have such a clear idea of what I want. Sometimes it's hard to set that aside to do what somebody else is thinking, but Sam and I work really well together. We've known each other for 30 years. So we met in college and we have a very similar, I don't want to say similar sense of storytelling, but similar interests. We're both, you know, very much into sci-fi and fantasy and, and what is and all that stuff. So talk, talk to me a little bit about the process, the difference in processes between doing a children's book and doing a comic book. I think for me, it's almost the length of story. Um, and most, a lot of my earlier kids books were the nonfiction ones are 140 pages plus. Wow. A lot of my storybook kids books, generally those are 32 or less pages. Um, so you actually, and you're 32 pages and you're probably only putting one picture, one illustration on a page or even a spread. So there's a lot less, I feel like there's a lot less space in a children's book, not for storytelling, because you can still get a lot of storytelling in there, but you're just trying to fill the space more with larger illustrations. And I feel like you, in a comic, you can get a, a lot more complicated in the storytelling for sure. Mm. Um, and you can probably get more detailed with the illustration. And it's interesting that like the, in the children's book, you're seeing probably, you know, a page of text or a half page of text and then a illustration. And in a comic and it's specifically the story posters, that I kind of view as a poster all on one page, you're seeing a progression that you don't normally get in a kid's book. So you're seeing like the panel, 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 and you're seeing, you're literally kind of visualizing a character jumping from one place to the other or doing punching somebody or flying through something. Um, and I think that really gives comics their own unique way of telling a story which I really love. So when it comes to that, how much of the psychology is it behind color uh, right. placement? How much of that actually is, goes into the process as you make a children's book? For me, I mean, for some people, probably a lot, but for me, I'm writing the books that I wanted when I was a kid. Like I, I write the stories and I illustrate the stories that I find interesting. I over, over, I've always said that I'm not really I'm not really doing kids books, even though they're getting published by children's book publishers. Um, I, I'm trying to do books that I, if I saw on the shelf in a bookstore, I would stop and pick up and I would, I would make, I would buy and read and keep on a shelf. And I think that comes back around to my basic style, which is somewhat more, sharp and minimalistic and artistic not that kids books aren't artistic there's amazing artists in kids books um and way better artists than i am um but something about the the more minimal color and the more minimal shapes attracts my attention Hmm. as as a fan you know do you do you have any feedback on what what level of children like what age is is there a, a a pretty good 
I would say for, for me, yeah, like the, the earlier books I've done, like the, the nonfiction design books, I would say probably like six to 12. Mm. And then the newer books I've done, which are more story books, the one little monster, the spooky box. Um, those probably skew a little bit younger. So I would say like four to eight, depending on how much of a reader the kid is. Um, and I don't really put, it's part of my minimalist and, and complicated doesn't make a good philosophy is that I don't put a lot of text in the, even if it's only one illustration per page with some text, my text is still probably fairly minimal. Right. Um, so my agent likes to say that, uh, my books are good for kids that don't like to read. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah. Well, course, that's fine by me. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting towards the close to the end of the hour. I told you, man, it flies by. It flies by. Yeah. So you, a lot of your stuff that we've been talking about over these, you know, past, uh, uh, past hour or so is a lot of that is really focused a lot of educational focus on it as well. So, you know, with your, you know, your, your, your fact posters and your, your graphics and, and, and children's books. So what is, what, what is part of that is like, is, do you do any like talks to schools, to any like educational aspects that, that you do? That's, that's always interesting for me because I have absolutely no set presentation of any kind. Yeah. Um, so if it's an if it's a slightly older class like fourth fifth grade that they're they could be really ready with questions i'm i'm all in on like the question and answer kind of meet and greet kind of a thing um and i've always i've been saying for years that i really need to to just sit down and create like a good 15 to 20 minute presentation on kids books and design and things like that it's on the list you know, <laughs> one of these days, one of these days I'll get around to it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm completely open to that kind of a thing. It's just, it just works better when the kids are bringing their questions to the, to the event kind of a thing. Right. Like so, I, I wouldn't, like I don't go into a class, I wouldn't go into a first grade class just to read some of the books that I've done. Right. Like that, that doesn't, I wouldn't be good at that. <laughs> Was that ever part of like your your publishing contract of of having to actually do book readings or book signings or any of that? No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't ever, and and that was just something to kind of they leave up to the creator, they leave up to the artist and writer, and you know, obviously it's beneficial, right? Um, I've never found it to be hugely beneficial in the sense of sales. I mean, right. it's a lot. It's a lot of goodwill. And it, and it is fun most of the time that to do that kind of a thing. Um, I've always, I've always, uh, I have this vision of like all the kids going home and the parents going, so what'd you do in school today? And they would go, I don't know. Some guy came in and talked about books, Mike something, I think. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, give it a shot. <laughs> but it's, I, you know, looking at, you know, you know, looking at your website and looking at all the stuff that you do, there's, there is a huge educational component to it. It's almost like you're, it's, you want to just yeah share well, knowledge, but in a different format. I really, 
I really, and this is where I'll geek out about design for, uh, for a second. And I really like graphic design and I love the idea of the relationship of one thing to another thing. And there's so much bad design in the world, like just awful graphic design in the world um, that I hope that I can make it a little bit better. <laughs> like if somebody has just a, like, and that's for graphic design, just the smallest bit of knowledge about design goes a huge way that takes you 75% of the way. And then it, the rest of the way is just your own aesthetic preferences. Um, but if you just know proportion and scale and color and, you know, choosing a, the correct font maybe, or, not choosing too many different things at the same time. Um, that That's huge. And that goes a long way to making competent design. What would be, what get, what's some good references or uh, resources that people can go to if they want to learn more about graphic design? Right. Um, I mean, online is always, always, you know, just if you punch in elements of graphic design, thousand websites will pop up kind of thing. I've always told people find that thing that you like, find that book or artist that you like, and it's fine to copy them. I mean, don't rip them off, but it get inspired by them. Like, you know, I love Saul Bass. I could be accused of ripping off Saul Bass because I do very similar things because he's been such an inspiration to my work. Um, you only improve from doing. So do your own birthday invitations, do your own flyers for community garage sales, do your own posters for just the movies and TV that you love. And that's one of the projects that I do. I do a movie for every, I do my own poster for every movie I see in theaters every year. And I don't get paid for that. I don't do anything with it. It's just something that I do to further my skills and something, you know, I give myself a couple hours to do the best poster I can in that time. And that's just, you only improve by staying on top of your skill, staying on top of your craft and doing it, you know, that's, and that, and then we'll bring this all the way around to my first design book. That happened because it was done. It happened because I finished it and I would had something I could send to an agent and a publisher. Way too many people just don't, they talk about it and they just never do it. Mm. And it's, it, it really is that, that simple. It really is. It, it could be terrible, but as if it's done, you're 90% ahead of everybody else. So right. you just have to finish. I mean, so, so your advice to people who are watching or listening, this is, uh, just do it. Just, <laughs> just get the program. Just find, well, find, find an artist. I mean, literally there's a million art graphic artists online like find that aesthetic that you like go on to pinterest or go on to instagram and keep that inspiration file handy you know that's what all these books are right. it's all all people i admire and 
yeah. you know, they'll, they'll take inspiration from them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. I think this has been, Oh, you're about to say something. Wait, I got, I want to, I also broke out a couple other things. Just one other thing. Uh, this is Henri Toule, I think is, I, I, I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but yeah. this was a book that came out a couple of years ago called oh. press here. And this is, this is the book. This is the one book where I'm like, ah, oh, damn, that should have been my idea. <laughs> it is, it's a brilliant book. It's not mine, but it's awesome. It's one of my, it's my easily in my top five children's books of all time. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, so, so that's, so yeah. like you said, that, that style that you have that minimalist, but beautifully, they, there's so much story told in circles and triangles. It's amazing. Yeah. To see yeah. That. So, yeah. Um, I have this other idea for a blog where I take movie screens and just break it down into triangles, squares, and circles. Okay. And just taking right. out the, the cinema. Now, that's another thing on the list someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very long list. So, so what we can do, and next time you do a Kickstarter, we'll just get back on and we'll, we'll yeah. talk more about it. So, um, Absolutely. Yeah. This is great. So, yeah. Thank you very much, Mark. This has been a, right. a, a, great, a great hour of conversation. And uh, I... And uh, I saw that we had a lot of people that were watching it as we're going along. Oh, great. So, and, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks. Awesome.